Hello and welcome to the D&D Roundtable on the Tome Show Podcast Network. I'm your host, James Intercasso. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the show. If you've been here before, do me a favor, go give us a great rating on iTunes. It helps us a bunch. Seriously, if you've been paying nothing for the show but want to help support us, go give us a great rating. In fact, I read one new five-star rating verbatim every episode and credit the listener who left it. Make me say anything you want, but keep it clean, people. This is a family D&D news podcast. Today's review is entitled, This is a Fantastic Show by Clayton Thomas. Clayton says, The Tome Show is a rich source of information about RPGs, particularly D&D. If you love RPGs and want to learn more about playing slash running games or what is happening around the industry, the podcast is well worth the time. Each show contains engaging and knowledgeable people from around the gaming community who have a passion for RPGs and the genuine desire to encourage more people to play and run games. Most importantly, they do a great job with providing information that makes RPGs more accessible and far less intimidating. Thank you for taking the time to put together such a great show. Well, thank you, Clayton Thomas, for putting together such a great and wonderful glowing review for The Tome Show. Super duper appreciate it. People, we are running out of reviews. Make me say anything, anything you want. Please use the affiliate links at thetomeshow.com whenever you shop on Amazon or the DMs Guild to help support the show. Just go to thetomeshow.com, click on the links in the show notes for this episode or any other, and then shop as you normally would. I would also like to thank our sponsor for this podcast, OpenGamingStore.com. OpenGamingStore.com has a great deal right now. The 20 for 20 bundle from Legendary Games, 25th edition Dungeons & Dragons PDFs for 20 bucks. We are talking over 550 pages of awesome new 5e content from a great publisher, Legendary Games, for $20. And if you use the coupon code TOMESHOW2016 at checkout, you get 10% off your order. That's an exclusive deal for Tome Show listeners, so check it out. And here to tell you more about OpenGamingStore.com is the one and only Grand Wizard, Bigby. Hi, everybody. It's me, Big B. Yeah, I just wanted to tell you all about my favorite place, OpenGamingStore.com. It's an online store where you buy PDFs, hardcover books, and all kinds of cool gaming accessories. That's right, you can even buy onesies for the kids. Check it out, OpenGamingStore.com. Make sure you tell them the Tome Show sent you. I'm Big B, and this is my hand. All right, everybody, today we are talking about another D&D movie article, and then we will be moving on to talk about the new game Rock Paper Wizard from Wizards of the Coast and WizKids. Uh, but first, let's meet our panel and kick things off with our get-to-know-you question. Who will voice the inevitable beholder in the new D&D movie? Andrew Kane, welcome back. It's good to have you here, bud. Glad to be here, as always. Uh, I guess, you know, I put a lot of thought into this voice thing. And, you know, I was doing research on actors with deep voices. Uh, A lot of them are dead, unfortunately. But then I decided to go a little non-traditional 
Justin Timberlake. Uh, why why Justin Timberlake? What would make him a great beholder? Bring in a younger audience and maybe get a sweet pop song out of it. I'm thinking Trolls movie, <laughs> y'all. <laughs> uh, I can't argue, although I have to say you're really not capitalizing on Justin Timberlake if you don't also get to see him, I feel like. Um, but I would but love that- a Justin Timberlake beholder. That means they're taking this movie... In the right direction. <laughs> what is the overlap of Justin Timberlake fans and D and D players? Mm, that's a great question. Uh, it's probably it's probably smaller, I would guess, than you think. But really, who doesn't love a good Justin Timberlake song? Come on, I bet there's I bet there's at least one that has been stuck in your head before Vegas. That's probably true. Uh, and of course, the other person with us here today is Vegas Lancaster. Vegas, who do you think should voice the Beholder in the D and D movie? Uh, I also put a lot of thought into this, and I would cast Gilbert Gottfried uh, <laughs> and ask the CGI team to make the most squinty-eyed Beholder ever. <laughs> yeah, just could- a real floating pile of flesh and eye stalks that maybe have eyeballs behind them <laughs> it would be cool to um to you know face map him like they do for a lot of cgi uh but then face map him and then take 12 individual takes for like every single eye you know uh and you really get the most out of your your beholder face mapping tech that way i feel like uh Kaner, what do you think gilbert godfrey uh kind of on the other end of the spectrum but equally as ridiculous as Justin Timberlake. In all honesty, I think it's a great choice. Also non-traditional. Yes, yes, very non-traditional. But we are talking about uh, the D&D movie (laughs) because there was an article in Polygon on October 19th that had Wizards of the Coast uh, new president talking about the D&D movie and how it's made. Uh, So the the new president of Wizards of the Coast, of course, is Chris Cox. We've talked about him on the show before. And there's quotes from lots of other people. Nathan Stewart, who's sort of the brand director of D&D. He's kind of like the D&D dude over there. He's awesome. Uh, And then, uh, you know, they talk about how Chris Perkins has been weighing in heavily with the movie. Uh, They talk about Rob Letterman, who is directing it, former director of Goosebumps and Gulliver's Travels and and things like that. They talk about inclusion, uh, how just like in the player's handbook, they're trying to be more inclusive of all races and genders uh that they are trying to do that in the movie as well uh it's it's an interesting article it's linked over in the show notes at the tomeshow.com for this episode uh but what did you guys think of this uh overall did it get you more excited or less excited for the movie and we should say that the title of this article is the next D&D movie has a very low bar to clear. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Kane, what, what, how did this article make you more excited, less excited, anything for the movie? I think it made me more excited on a certain level in the sense that it's nice to see kind of how involved Wizards is in the process. And who knows... Obviously, um, it's uh, major studios involved, so obviously input doesn't necessarily automatically equal what's going to appear on the screen whenever this movie ultimately is filmed. But it's at least nice to know that there's some effort to get a better understanding of 
the game, um, you know, input on the feel of it, the, you know, the design, that kind of thing, which hopefully would lead to a better adaptation than what we've had before. So I thought that was uh, that was interesting to me that there seems to be a lot of back and forth, uh, which I appreciate. It makes me um, hopeful. Yeah, yeah. The specific call out of like, hey, they've been working with Chris Perkins makes you feel good uh, because you know I think there's a lot of things about making a D and D movie work, quote unquote. We have yet to see a very successful, officially licensed Dungeons and Dragons movie. I think there are plenty of adventure ensemble movies that do really well. Guardians of the Galaxy, I think, comes to mind. That's in a pe- previous article they said that's what they were going for. Uh, so it, it does, yeah, it does make you feel good to know like, well, they're at least talking. To these people, um, so so that is a good thing, I think, and it's not just some faceless corporation being like, "Hey, Game of Thrones is popular, so let's try to make this like Game of Thrones." You know, uh, <laughs> Vegas. What did you think? A quick note about Game of Thrones. Uh, unlike all of my pop culture nerd friends, I've never watched an episode of Game of Thrones, <laughs> and uh, this past weekend for uh, a comedy show I was doing, we were dressing up for Halloween as Game of Thrones characters. And I just took a look at a picture of the Game of Thrones cast. And I was shocked by all of them being white dudes. <laughs> like entirely. Because, you know, obviously I play D&D all the time. And one of the things I really like about Dungeons and Dragons is the idea that hey, it's a fantasy world, so we don't have to stick to your idea of what races or genders or whatever can be represented in what fields and as what kinds of people uh, they are. That that note about them wanting it to be a more inclusive fantasy world, uh, I really liked that. I don't know if it's going to be a good movie. It probably won't be. <laughs> but I, I think it's cool that they're keeping that tone. Yeah, yeah, I think I, I think you're right, right? And I do think a lot of fantasy, uh, Game of Thrones is a great example. You see tons and tons of white people. And, uh, you know, there are some non-white people on Game of Thrones, but uh, I would say it is a majority of, uh, of super white dudes uh, and white ladies. But yeah, yeah, that note about diversity, I think, is, is a really good one you touched upon. And um, it's cool to see that. I think they've been doing a good job with this edition, a, a better job than they have in past editions of sort of being inclusive and representing that. And, you know, I think one of the things that you see in the books is like, whenever they show a human, they really try to go diverse because elves and dwarves and half-orcs and stuff have such a particular look about them. They want people to be able to... Anybody who picks up the book should be able to see themselves somewhere in it, right? Um, yeah. Which is cool. Which is cool, and I hope I hope it would turn out that way for the movie. Vegas, what do you think about, tone-wise, this movie... We've got a director, Rob Letterman, who's done Goosebumps, Gulliver's Travels. Uh, I think he did Monsters vs. Aliens. Um, you know, they've said sort of like a Guardians of the Galaxy-style tone. Uh, what do you think uh, about a a humorous D&D adventure movie versus like a more serious D&D adventure movie? Dude, I have no idea what could possibly work to make a good D&D movie. (laughs) I'm being totally honest. Mm -hmm. I I loved Guardians of the Galaxy. Seeing things that are like that is 
cool. Like Guardians of the Galaxy has the benefit of being based on comic books, which are basically storyboards already. Right. And you can just take the best of those and turn it into a movie. I assume they're writing an original script for this movie, not like basing it on like the Driss novels or something like that. Yes. Yeah. So you kind of have no idea what you're going to get. Yeah. Uh, so far, all we know is it takes place in the Forgotten Realms. So, you know, it, it Drizzt could show up, but I feel like they'd be making a bigger deal out of that since he's like the biggest name in fictional D&D. So, so yeah, I, I am interested to see what this is going to be exactly because, like you said, Vegas, right, there's the... The aspect of when you read, even when you sit down to read a D&D adventure, it's not quite like reading a story because there are no heroes in it. Like, it, the intent is, hey, we're leaving the heroes out of this because your players are supposed to play the heroes, right? And I think that makes it hard because when you think of most of your favorite stories uh, in, in any genre, you probably think of the protagonists first or second if if the story has like a really amazing villain, right? Um, Kainer, what do you think? Uh, humor versus more serious. Uh, how do you think you would like your D and D movie? I'm I'm gonna concur with Vegas a little bit here, I, <laughs> um, in the sense of like I could like both iterations, and <laughs> sure. I mean I, I think that's both the problem, but also the benefit is it could come in any form because. As noted, unless they're adapting a already known storyline or like an adventure that already exists, like they could go in any direction. And so, I mean, I definitely think that's kind of the beauty of the game. And so if you're trying to expand your audience and bring in more people, um, uh, especially those who aren't, you know, baked into the audience already, as it were, I would probably say more humorous, lighthearted, you know, still action adventure, all of that good stuff, but with a kind of a fun take on it is probably the better decision, you know, because when you're seeing a trailer or whatever, that might be what draw people in when, you know, I've seen, you know, kind of serious fantasy previews where if you have no major connection to it, you might just be like, huh, that'll be interesting. I'm not going to see it, but, you know, mm -hmm. so I think that could be a better way to broaden the audience, I guess, for lack of a better term. I don't know how you do it. I honestly don't, because in other media we've seen where um, the humorous side of D&D has been exploited, like uh, the community episodes about D&D or Harmon Quest or that kind of thing, you know, you're kind of playing off the fact that these are people playing characters mm -hmm. and uh, acting very farcically as those characters, which is a lot of the fun of actually playing the game. But I don't know how you can translate that into a movie. I don't think you can translate that kind of humor into a movie. Yeah, no, I think sure. Yeah, I, I think that is a, a, a good point, right? That like, there's kind of lower stakes in those stories because you know Dan Harmon's just going to make another character if his character dies, right? Um, mm -hmm. You know, and and it's funny, I was thinking about this because when I think about fantasy that is very popular and that is, you know, uh, done well uh, in a lot of people's eyes, I think about, like, 
Lord of the Rings, I think about Game of Thrones, things that are often more serious. Uh, when I think about comedy fantasy pieces, you know, uh, Crodman Dune and the Flaming Sword of Fire, for instance, which is a five-episode series that was on Comedy Central, very briefly. <laughs> um, you know, or maybe to, to give a better example, I think probably the Hobbit franchise movies uh, are, are in a sillier vein. Uh, there's certainly lots of serious moments and danger and stuff, but it's not as serious as the Lord of the Rings movies. And then when I think about science fiction, I think about things like Star Wars. I think about, uh, you know, things like Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, I think, you know, Star Trek is probably the exception to this rule, but it seems like people like their fantasy, like their medieval style fantasy, swords and wizards and stuff, a little more serious. And they like their science fiction a little more on the humorous side. Uh, and I'm sure we could think of examples in both that, uh, that, that contradiction. I'm just thinking of like super mega blockbusters, you know? Yeah. I am going to be interested to see, cause I think you're right. Like a D and D movie is so wide open and you could, you could almost do what they're doing with the Marvel universe, right? Like you could have, some movies that are big and fun and rollicking and Iron Man-esque. And then you could have a Netflix series where you go to Drow Town and it's super dark and, you know, um, and Drizzt is Daredevil fighting in a world of evil, right? So there's, there's like a lot of things you can do with this universe, which is I'm sure why people want to make a movie out of it because they can keep going with it ad infinitum. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I will be, I will definitely be interested to see. Uh, I'm wondering, uh, sort of as a, a final note, is there anything that you guys think you want to see in this D and D movie that is like specifically D and D? Like, is there something where, like, do you want to see a dude like roll some bat guano and sulfur in his hand as he casts a fireball <laughs> or, you know, is there anything that you're like, you know, that's that'll just be a fun moment for me. Or do you think that kind of stuff is just ridiculous? Uh, let's start with you, Vegas. Man, that is a uh, a tough question because <laughs> I, I I guess what I keep coming back to is I can't conceive of a D and D movie I would really like it in my head. So I I don't know what I want. You know. What I like about D and D is is goofy dudes and ladies playing silly characters, but I, I don't want to watch a movie that's a bunch of guys sitting around a table and you see their alter egos in CGI or something. That would be a horrible movie. Yeah, that that definitely would be a horrible movie. And one of the things, right, is like we're we're looking at a director who has a lot of experience with CGI and a lot of experience with like movies for much younger people you know may, maybe even younger than than teens when we're talking about like Gulliver's Travels Goosebumps Monsters versus Aliens like uh you know like is this gonna be maybe not for us but for our friends who have kids right like there's there's that possibility as well speaking of our friend who has a kid Kaner uh is there anything specifically D&D &D that you would really like to see I think, uh, kind of going back to our opening question, it wouldn't necessarily have to be a beholder, but I think something that was kind of a quintessential kind of like Dungeons and Dragons monster creature, something that you truly associate 
with the game, the world um, would would help that. You know, I don't need to go too deep into, like you said, the back guano and the sulfur for the fireball <laughs> or anything like that. And so, like, a beholder would be a perfect example of just kind of something that is creepy and I associate exclusively with playing the game, you know? Yeah, I think that makes perfect, perfect, perfect sense. Can I ask what you'd really like to see in a D&D movie, James? <laughs> Thanks, man. I am similar to you guys. I am open to the possibility that there could be a great D&D movie, and I do not have a set idea in my head of what it should be, which I think is the way people should approach it, because there's so many ways that this could be made. It's not going to get every single part of each person's individual vision, right? But I agree with Kaner. I think the way to go is probably to put some kind of iconic D&D monster in there and make it act like it would in a D&D game. Um, you know, there were beholders in the Dungeons & Dragons theatrical release movie that came out a long time ago, uh, but they were like idiots. Like somebody threw a rock and it distracted them, you know? Um, <laughs> like I want to see, if I'm going to see a beholder, I want to be terrified of it when it shows up on screen. Uh, if I'm going to see a mind flare, I want to be, I want to be freaked out of my gourd and be uncomfortable as I watch its tentacles slither all over the place, you know? Um, similarly, if I see a flump, uh, I want to be hilariously entertained by, uh, by whatever a flump is. That is sort of my feeling is that like, I want to see some cool D&D IP done well, uh, specifically monsters. And, you know, maybe some, if, if you're a Realms fan, maybe they'll do some cool Realms uh, locations. When they make an Eberron-based movie, I will have a lot of opinions about what should be in there. Uh, <laughs> so I'm looking forward to the D&D movie, and I want to know what people out there think as well. Tell us what iconic D&D things you want to see. Does Should it be funny? Should it be serious? Hit us up over in the show notes for this episode at thetomeshow.com or at facebook.com slash thetomeshow. Gentlemen, moving on. We are going to talk about Rocks Paper Wizard. It is a Dungeons & Dragons party game for three to six players. It's 20 bucks. It's coming out the first week in December. And it is a game where you play a group of adventurers who has just killed a dragon, and now you are trying to divide up its treasure, so you have a spell battle, uh, which is essentially, uh, Vegas, you said before this podcast, a complicated game. <laughs> of rocks, paper, scissors. Looking at the art and everything, you can check it out. We've got links over in the show notes. Uh, but let us go now to Vegas Lancaster. Vegas Lancaster, rocks, paper, wizard. What do you think? Yo, this game looks whack. <laughs> <laughs> if you uh, look up rock, paper, wizard online and get to the WizKids website, uh, you can read the rulebook and see a lot of the artwork for the game. And it's very silly. Like, they have you making different hand gestures to cast different spells. And from what I can tell, it looks like different spells beat other kinds of spells. And when I say a more complicated rock, paper, scissors, it looks to me like it's a pokemon level of uh <laughs> this spell beats these three other kinds of spells and is weak to these six other kind of spells is what it looks like to me 
yeah, I believe you are correct. That is uh, also what it looks like to me as well. And it also looks like it depends on who is sitting across the table from you and where you point your hand. Like, you could point to the person next to you, but the person diagonally from you could be pointing at you, and the person next to you could be pointing at the person across the table, you know. Um, so it looks like it, it gets very fun and, uh, and, and complicated. Probably a good party game, uh, it, which is what they are suggesting it is. Uh, Kaner, what do you think? Rocks, paper, wizard. Or rock, paper, wizard, I should say. Uh, I'm, I'm mildly amused by it, uh, mostly <laughs> because... The directions are cracking me up, like with the pictures, and there's like a wizard with a bullseye on it, and then there's gold pieces. Like the whole thing is is just funny. I mean, it's an intriguing idea. Um, I like that if you cast the same spell at someone that they cast back at you, there's a wild surge that involves drawing new cards. <laughs> I'm intrigued because I think based on the cards you have, depends on what spells you, like, you have those spells. So it's interesting. It's not like you can always just fireball or something like that. But I'm also intrigued by how they came up with the hand gestures, um, <laughs> which is not really probably what I should be thinking about, but I am thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, because there are some, like, they're, they're all pretty simple, you know, it doesn't look that tricky. For instance, Fireball is just rock, you know, it's it's the same thing you would throw if you were playing rocks, paper, scissors. But then, like, Confusion looks like the devil horns if you were at, like, a metal show that you would throw up and stuff. Um, and Vampiric Touch is bunny ears. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. And Dimension Door is Dimension Door looks complex. Um, you're like crossing fingers, and uh, uh. it's also unclear to me why you would be using. Dim- and I'm I won't go down that rabbit hole right now. But yeah, yeah. I actually think the Dimension Door photo that dude might have six fingers. Um, <laughs> like Misty Step is one of the spells. So what does Misty Step be? You know, um, but I I think it probably gets pretty interesting uh, with the with the cards and everything. Looks like it could be a lot of fun. Uh, my problem with this is always like if I have six people who want to play this in a room, I probably have six people who want to play D and D together. <laughs> uh, and so I'm probably going to be like, let's just play D and D, but this could be fun. It could also be fun to maybe integrate into a D and D game when, when everybody is fighting over magic items and stuff, right? Like you add it into the game as a uh, fun children's game. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As a way to resolve disputes. Rock, paper, wizard for the helm of brilliance. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, Well, uh, again, I think we definitely want to know what people out there think about rock, paper, wizards. Hit us up over at facebook.com slash the tome show or at the tome show.com and the show notes for this episode. And guys, that is going to do it for the round table today. Uh, Vegas Lancaster, where can people find you? Sure, you can check out VegasLancaster.com and see uh, what shows I'm going to be in, what stand-up and improv shows I'll be doing soon. Uh, most of them are going to be in the Philadelphia area. Awesome. And Andy Kane, where can people find you? People can find me on Facebook.com slash Duck. Nice, nice. <laughs> uh, I'm just yes. kidding. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Cavalier Kane. That's K A V A L I E R K A N E. 
Awesome, awesome. Gentlemen, well, thank you so much for joining me at the round table today. My pleasure. Glad to be here. Yeah, thank you, James. And before we go, it's time to do our DMs Guild pick of the episode. My pick of the episode this week is the Ravenloft Bestiary Monsters of the Dread Domain from Leonaru. This $10 bestiary contains more than 300 monsters of all types, sizes, and challenge ratings for the Ravenloft campaign setting for use with the D&D 5th edition rules. So many awesome monsters are inside. You want Bone Golem? They got it. Do you want to get a little weird? Perhaps a special kind of skeletal bat? Boom, it's in there. Entumor? Boom, got it. Do you want to see a bunch of different vampires? Of course you do. How about all kinds of will-o'-wisps? Yeah, of course you want to see that. All kinds of zombies. Zombie frog. That alone is worth the price of admission. There is a direct link to Ravenloft Bestiary Monsters of the Red Domain in the show notes for this episode at thetomeshow.com. All right, everybody, you can find me on Twitter at James Intricasso. That's at J-A-M-E-S-I-N-T-R-O-C-A-S-O. Also, check out my blog, which is all about Exploration Age, the 5th edition D&D world I'm building over at worldbuilderblog.me. There's tons of free resources for your D&D 5e games over there. I'm talking monsters. I'm talking links to all my DMs Guild products. I'm talking free adventures, free magic items. Go check it out, worldbuilderblog.me. Or .com. All right, everybody, thanks for listening. Special thanks to Jeff Greiner for letting us join the Tome Show lineup. Our theme music, which you are listening to right now, was composed by Eric Michaels. Don't forget to go to thetomeshow.com and use the affiliate links whenever you shop on Amazon or the DMs Guild to help support the show. And hey, if you like the show, please rate the Tome Show on iTunes and like us on Facebook. Keep on rolling and keep on listening to The Roundtable. Table.